Hi, it's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? I'm thrilled that we've made it to season four, and I hope you were able to listen to at least one episode from season one, two, and or three. Let's get started with our first guest this brand new season. In this episode, you will hear from Jackie. When she reached out to me a few years ago as an adoptee, I was excited to learn how much we had in common. She's from Chicago, two months younger than me, born at the Salvation Army Booth Memorial Hospital, and adopted through Chicago Child Care Society, Adoption Agency. Jackie learned through a mutual friend that I was in reunion with my birth family and wanted more information about how she might experience that for herself. She started down the path of learning more to her beginnings, but found that maybe she would put things off or on hold until she was completely ready for the roller coaster of reunion. I wanted her to be a guest on my show because there is likely at least one more listener feeling the same thing she felt and feels about picking the search back up at a pace that feels comfortable. It is entirely one's choice to stop and start as they see best. Allow me to introduce you to Jackie, a person I find to be most honest and sincere when it comes to this thing called adoption, decades after we have unpacked what it truly means to us, the adoptee. Well, Jackie, I'm so glad you took the opportunity to have a conversation with me today. And I know we met through a, a mutual friend, a high school classmate of mine, Lisa. And I'm yeah. so, so glad she put us in touch with each other. Yeah, because one day we were talking about something and it, it came up that I was adopted. And she knew that you were adopted. How I, I'm not sure how that was, but she told me she were in reunion with your family. And I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, I wonder how did she do that? So then she gave me your information and number and we called. And I'm so happy that she did as well. It's such a small world that I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. Then I was introduced to you and I was like, oh, I'm so happy that you did that, Lisa. Yeah, so. that was pretty cool. And and then once we did connect, we realized that we had quite a bit in common outside of being both from Chicago, around the same age. We were both affiliated because of our birth moms with the Salvation Army Booth Memorial Hospital, right? Correct. And I was born um, in May of 64 and you in July. Right. And then I was thinking like, oh, wow, our mothers probably and sometimes could have actually met, met each other. Right. Yeah. I remember thinking that is really something. And then the Chicago Child Care Society Adoption Agency was also involved in our adoptions. It's such a small world. And I'm like, oh, my God. But, you know, because I'm thinking my mom, because by the, the difference in the timelines, they had to overlap each other, at least if it wasn't for a month or so. And I, I'm sure they met each other. 
that is just really, it's just such a small world. When I finally got my birth certificate and saw that, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, we probably have, we are very connected. Mm -hmm. Did you have a chance to go to the uh, Salvation Army on the north side? I I did not go by there. I know you told me that you went there and you got a, a tour of the facilities or the person was able to pull additional records for you from that point. Yeah, well, I got a tour. They really didn't have many records for me. I think their records are held somewhere else. But I was given a tour, and I tell you, it was really, what is the word I would use? It, it was um, it was moving for sure because many of the, the spaces that our birth moms were in at that time looked the same. It really looked like the 60s, They like the fixtures. Oh, really? Yeah, they hadn't been changed. And like the cafeteria, the chapel, the rooms that they they slept in, they really were very much like they were back then, you know, with the exception of fresh paint and what have you. And even though it's headquarters now, a lot of those spaces they're using for offices, but a lot of them were just vacant. And I thought about, I've been here before. I was in the womb and and then upon Mm -hmm. delivery... In the, into the world, but I was still, I was there. I was a part of that facility. You, you too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I was. Yeah, it so. sounds like it could have been very transformational. But like I said, I got to a certain point and then I just got, I don't know, Jennifer, I'm, I'm scared of opening Pandora's box. Mm. I started the journey in trying to find my birth mother. I got the information. I got her name. I got a year of her birth from the birth certificate. And then when I started the journey, then I start getting really, I'm nervous. I'm scared. Yeah. What will I find? You know, from the birth certificate, I realized she was only 13. She was a child herself. All things start running through your head as to why was she so young when I was born? You know, what am I a product of? Do I really want to find that out? Or I don't know. I'm just, I, some of it spooks me. Then, then I get it, you know, then I have my children because those are the only, I want to see someone I look like, you mm-hmm. know, if it's just just a cousin or, or, or whomever or something. Oh, you have eyes like this person or that person, you know, growing up and not seeing anyone that you look like, you know, it's, it's I don't want to say, is it depressing or is it? It's it's kind of sad because you see your other cousins and your family looking like these, you know, various people, and you're not really there with anyone. You know, I don't know if it's you kind of blend in. I kind I blended in, mm-hmm. but I didn't really truly look like anyone. Right. You know, it was like I stood out like a sore thumb. I just blended in, but I definitely didn't look like my mom or dad. But some of my cousins and things like that, you could say, oh, you know, people could have thought that we were, you know, blood related. But there were no definite features of anything that I look like and that. And the only people I look like is when I had my own children. And I, I'm, I can see myself and my daughter and I can see myself and my son. But those are the only two people in the world that I do. Then, of course, there's health issues and various things I would like to know. But, sure. Yeah, that mirroring piece is really huge. Being able yeah. to see yourself in your, in your family. Yeah. And it, and you know what's popping in my head right now is that there are two adoptees that I just had a conversation with recently and one's birth mom was 13 and the other one was I want to say 15. I like it's like I want to put you in touch with them because they did learn some hard truths 
but it was still very freeing and a lot of good came out from it. Okay, that would be excellent to to do that. I mean, I need to just get over this hump. <laughs> right, for sure. Yeah. And as far as health issues and things, I'm starting to have some as I get older, but is this hereditary or is it just, you know, me eating badly? <laughs> and, or just for me to, um, you know, to pass on to my children and to, you know, to let them know these are things that you need to do or things you can avoid or anything like that. In the process of doing this, I know they didn't think of it. Even though they didn't provide the identity with our adoptions, they could at least provide the medical history yes. along with each child so they'll know what to look for. But so true. That's, that's neither here nor there at this point. But you're right. The mirroring picture part of it is what I think is really what wants me to know. I want to know who I look like. Mm -hmm. And that sounds so simple and simplistic, but. Yeah, yeah, to be able to look at someone and see themselves, a mirror of themselves, yeah. It just really does something powerful to you to be able to see that. So when you saw your original birth certificate for the first time, what did you feel about that? It was actually kind of emotional to actually see her name. Mm -hmm. Was it a signature, her signature there? I told you in the process I lost it. I don't recall seeing her signature, to be honest with you, because I just saw, you know, it is because it was a very, she has a very big, you're making me remember, a very big B. Her name was Becky Powell. But just to see her name, I don't know, we had a conversation before. I told you on my um, amended birth certificate, my actual birth name was on there. And um, for some reason, they didn't take it completely off because my adoptive parents gave me, you know, a different name. When I saw my original birth certificate, it said Michelle Lee. And actually it's just a pen that just strikes the name out. And then my name is written in Jacqueline Garrett. So I just thought that was really weird. So when I first saw my birth certificate, I guess about 12 or 13 or something, I asked my mother, "What is whose name is this?" She said, "Oh, oh, we we changed, we did, we changed your name. We, I had, I changed my mind and changed your name because mm. she never really wanted to face the situation. She didn't want to accept the fact. I don't know. I don't want to say accept the fact that I was adopted, but it wasn't something that came from her freely. It was only one conversation with it when I was a child when it kind of slipped out because she never told me. It kind of slipped out through a family member and she just kind of went from there. I could tell she was very uncomfortable. It was a subject that she never wanted to address. Oh, and, well, see, I don't remember that about your story. Let's go back just a minute. She mm -hmm. never told you you were adopted. Someone else mm -hmm. in the family told you. Right. It slipped up and then I asked her a question about it. Mm -hmm. And then that's when she acknowledged the fact that I was adopted. How old were you? Do you remember? I was probably about, I say like about eight, so oh, eight or yeah. nine. I was, I was still young. I, that's when the mirroring factor was coming through. And I just couldn't understand why I didn't look like anyone. I know I told you the story once too. Like she raised her nephew. And so I call him my brother. And when he was up, she said, when he first saw you, come, when you first came home, he was out in the driveway. He was shoveling the snow, making sure everything was okay, blah, blah, blah. And I was just couldn't, this is when I was, you know, a little younger than that. I couldn't understand why he was shoveling snow on my birthday's in July. And so right. I asked her, like, 
why is he shoveling the snow? And she goes, oh, oh, that was like, like from your last doctor's appointment or something. You know, she just, she just, that was a time she could have kind of gradually eased me into the fact that I was adopted, but she didn't. She just kind of changed the subject and didn't say anything else. Then I had a cousin, you know, like when I said it was about bus eight, eight or so, who's a, um, who's mentally challenged. And he said something. And to be honest with you, I can't remember. Uh, did she? Oh, he said, you know, he said, does Jackie know where she came from? You know, and she said it in front of me. And so I was like, what is he talking about? He's an older and, cousin. Yeah, he's an older cousin. Mm-hmm. And then my mother just kind of tried to change the subject. And then I thought I wouldn't let her, you know, I didn't say anything then. But when we got home, I asked her. And then she, that's when she told me that I can't even remember exactly how she put it, but it was basically she chose me and they brought me from the hospital and she used to keep foster children and she kind of tied that in too. And she went ahead, but she got me as a baby. I will say that I was adopted within the first year of my life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I don't know any other, I didn't go through the foster care system or anything like that. At least that's what she tells me. Mm -hmm, Cause for where were you for a year? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right, exactly, because they couldn't have kept me at Salvation Army. Right. (laughs) And see, the thing about Chicago child care, (laughs) what I know about Chicago child care society is they obviously had a relationship with Salvation Army. It seems like Salvation Army was picking up the phone and letting them know we have a baby. You know, we have another Mm -hmm. baby. And then from that point, because Chicago child care worked with foster families, they would start doing placements because I went to a foster home at four days old. So, yeah, like I left the hospital and went into this family's home for two years. And so, yeah, like I I just find it hard to believe that for um, like no more than maybe a couple of days, if all was going well up after birth, that you would go, anyone who was affiliated with Chicago Child Care would go into a home. Yeah. You know what, Jennifer, I just never thought about that, honestly, until just now. Yeah. Because even if I didn't go until December, whenever it snowed, it could have been March or whenever it snowed, that's at least six months away. Where mm-hmm. was I mm-hmm. in the interim? I never thought about that. And it sounds oh. like your mom was a lot like mine in that she didn't want to talk about this this adoption mm-hmm. thing. Like you're here, we're your parents, and let's mm-hmm. keep it we moving. Love you. You're my child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like. What other questions do you have? Right. What you else? Have and, oh, I couldn't talk yeah. about it. Yeah, I couldn't I talk about this thing called about. adoption. No, could not talk about. It. Then I start wondering was. And I knew it wasn't from someone in the family because she wanted her own child. Mm -hmm. She did not want a family member. She wanted her own where she had total control of that situation. Right. I can say it was the subject she did not want to talk about. I didn't even talk about it to any of my, um, like her sisters or anything. I just never breached that conversation with anyone. Mm And I, I could never, I could never explain that to her. So I would never try to find someone um, while she was still alive. Now, when so. you had your first child, was your mm-hmm. was your mom there at the hospital mm-hmm. with you? She was okay. She yeah, she was. She was very and supportive. 
Oh, so supportive. She was like to the point where she, my mother loved children. I realized she couldn't have any children. She was very supportive with me, with my daughter. That's good. I really would say that. How about your, what about your mom? So it's interesting. My mom, I remember my husband was there at the hospital and, you know, it's time to get Mm -hmm. ready to deliver this baby. And I'm calling my mom, mom, where are you? Where are you? You know, like, when are you coming? And, and whatever she said to me, it, it just broke my heart. It was something like, oh, well, I I just don't have time to do it. Right. I can't come right. Like it was that kind Mm of, I'm not going to be there. And I just started unpacking this last year with some other female adoptees. And we were talking, and it was about three or four of us whose moms did not come to the hospital. So that's that question is like, I'm asking wow. every adoptee <laughs> you know, that ever carried a child. Because we knew mm-hmm. when we were carrying our kids that our moms couldn't really relate. They had never been pregnant. Like we had a right. sense of they couldn't mm-hmm. be there for us th- that way uh, because that, that's a big deal having a child, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for them not to show up at the hospital or be there at the birth, it really was hurtful. And so as we talked about it, as recent as last year, we realized that, that it was really traumatic for them, obviously. So I'm kind of relieved to know that your experience was different because I'm like, that's really sad if all adoptive moms are kind of going through that when right when no, this she big, was... big thing happens for their daughters giving birth it's it's very interesting what I, adoptive mothers might be going through as it relates to newborns it seems like mm-hmm. your mom was was in better shape than others when it comes right. to you... that yeah she had, I mean, her siblings, and she grew up, she was always, I think she was around children a lot. Right. I mean, she has a sister, has six kids, she has other that has three. So she was around some of that, you know, especially like with the navel and all that. She knew how to take care. She was very good with taking care of children and infants. Mm-hmm. And like I said, she just loved children. She would always have them. I mean, I think about, I grew up in Maywood. She had a little singing choir chorus with just children. We would go around to the nursing homes at Christmas time and sing. She had a little uh, all-male chorus of all children. She would direct that. So she was always with children. So that was her thing. Mm -hmm. And she just never could have her own. And I was her own. And she was very possessive of me. Even when it came to my friends, my age or adults that I would make friends with, she had a, there was a very jealous streak. She very possessive with me. <sighs> I had to get past that. And certain things I couldn't tell her or friendship, I couldn't let her know how deep the friendship was because she it was just it was that was just really peculiar to me. Mm-hmm. Love is endless, and you can have relationships, and it doesn't impinge on anyone else's relationship. And she didn't have that concept. It, that wasn't a part of her psyche. Mm-hmm. It was me or no one. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm trying to remember, did, did in your story, did you tell me that you did have an, an opportunity to go to the Chicago Child Care Society and, and get information from them about your file? No, I didn't. I wasn't even truly aware that I could do that until we talked last week, I believe. I said I was going to start this journey over, and I'm going to ask them for that file. Because I think you said there's a um, a fee for me to get information about myself. I know. But... I just, every time I think about it, it's $100. At least it was um, when I 
went there. And if it's still the same, they call it post-adoption services. They will pull out your file basically in front of you, look through it, and say, okay. Because uh, <laughs> by law, they can't, even though we can get our OBC, they, they still, by law, cannot give us our files. I mean, we've been grown a long time. It sounds ridiculous. And everybody, like in my case, is deceased. So who are we protecting? But that's a whole nother conversation. But they will, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll say, we'll generate a report based on what I see in your file and for $100, we'll give it to you in about a month. And that's kind of how the process goes. And while it's better than nothing, it is still somewhat insulting to be treated what feels like as a child. Um, but that is that is available because they still are open. And I did learn a lot. In fact, I did get they did give me a picture from the file of uh, my foster mother holding me at six months. And I tell you, I sat out outside the oh. building in my car and I just couldn't even move. I just stared at that picture for I don't know how long because I hadn't had a picture prior to being two years old. And what's interesting, that file, our, our file that they have in their possession will never mean as much to them as it does to us. Like the impact of that picture right. doesn't mean anything to them. To them. No, and I and I'm so thankful they gave it to me because they clearly didn't have to, (laughs) you know, like by law they didn't. Yeah, it's so weird. (laughs) It's a law that says no, we can't give you the contents of this file. But I think, you know, there are things you can learn that just kind of help you keep going. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, like that helps us get momentum. To just, to go. Yeah, to take the next step and the next step. Actually, Jennifer, when I get back to my desk, because I'm taking notes as we're talking, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna give, <laughs> I'm giving them a call right, right after this conversation, and just to see what there's, you know, yeah. to get that information. So do I can, I you know, and see what steps I need to take because that'll give me a little more. Yeah, I got a feeling so, you were there. Yeah, prior to a year old. And right, and and yeah, but I was somewhere for six months. Right, yeah, because adoptees, <laughs> yeah, adoptees that I've been talking to, they're like, I I don't know where I was for six weeks or eight weeks, and I'm I'm thinking, yeah, like because you should be home, you should be somewhere by then, and right. even though it's not like my case, two years in some place, six weeks you were somewhere. Or eight I weeks, yeah. or six months. Yeah. I was, I was right. somewhere. You were somewhere. You weren't in Salvation Army Booth <laughs> Memorial. Know, I, and that may sound so crazy. Maybe I just blocked it out in my mind. Yeah. Because I'm like, I just, I didn't, I just never came across. It. I was somewhere for six, at least six, mm-hmm. six weeks, six months, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Where was I? Yeah, it, it's um... maybe the child care society could tell me that. Maybe there could be a picture like you had. Exactly. And you can just take your time, you know, like, yeah, like you can just maybe do that. Like you say, just call and see what they say. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't think anybody should feel rushed to to do anything, but just to know what the resources are and maybe what the next step is, you know. Mm -hmm. And not to get, as you mentioned, not to get scared and spooked, but I, you know, I feel better. I, as time goes on, I feel better and take the small steps, little steps, take my baby steps Mm -hmm. until I get to that major step of actually seeing or hearing the, 
what happened to Becky Powell? Mm -hmm. Where is she? And this is her daughter, Michelle Lee Powell, which is my birth name. Mm. And Mm. to see. Hmm. Yeah. I know that you have been in touch with Militia Mitchell Mm -hmm. and... And just so you know, she is still working and available. She's just a detective that is amazing. <laughs> she <laughs> needs a name and a birth date and boom, there, there it is. She's so, got it. <laughs> oh, she's just, I don't know how she does. Well, I do know because she's so passionate. But just so mm. you know, she is still doing this kind of work. She's still an ally for us adoptees. Oh, Okay, when I get to that step, um, <laughs> I will have to get back in touch with her again. <laughs> yeah. See what we can find, mm-hmm. what, what we can dig up. But like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my baby steps in the College Chicago um, Child Care Society today. See what information they can give me about myself. And you're so right. That information means nothing to them. It doesn't have an impact on them at all. And what do they do? I'm assuming they redact a lot of the information before they give it to you. Yes. Yeah, so they 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 really. Or do su- they summarize it? Yes, that's what they do. They summarize, and that always seems interesting to me because I went back to them a second time and, and basically pleaded with them to go back through it and give you know make sure you gave me all the non-identifying. And they did another two-page report. So that tells me <sighs> that they looked through the file. I'm thinking if you're really trying to get this done, get it off your desk, you may overlook a lot of things you could really share because it's non-identifying, but you just, it's not important to you. You look at an, another time and you see, oh, I can tell her this. I guess oh, my, my point is, worth. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's so subjective. Like that's, it is. that's what it feels like to me. So you're getting what they happen to give you that, that time. That's how I look at it. And I do recommend going back and pleading basically can you just go through it again uh and it's Mm -hmm. there was no additional cost i think they just did it because i was so persistent (laughs) like if we could make her go away let's go through it again and and just see yeah and the second time is when i learned more about my foster family the first time i really they just said you were in a foster home like real general but the second time they actually gave me a lot of information, or I should say enough for me to find them. I found my foster family, which oh, I can't. Really? Oh, my goodness. That was so big for me because the youngest two sons, it was five kids in that home. The oldest was like 17, and he remembers me so well. He was, you know, almost grown. And the youngest was about eight who was really close to his mom and, and spent a lot of time helping her with me. So he remembered me like it was yesterday. And they, oh, they gave me so much information, Jackie, about my first two years. Yes. And that was, I was like, yeah, she was my mom from four days old to two years old. And and they, you know, something they shared that I won't ever forget is that I was their first foster child and the last because she she could not handle having to give me up. Yeah, and they also mm-hmm. told me how she tried to adopt. But I guess at that time, and I'm picturing it, my parents that adopted me, they didn't have any other kids. They mm-hmm. were doing very well. Uh, both mm-hmm. both had, you know, like 
good jobs and mm-hmm. and they saw that as a better fit than the foster family. You know, they had five kids already. Right. You know, their income right. wasn't meeting whatever the level of Still. criteria mm-hmm. that my parents were. And mm-hmm. uh, and so they denied the foster mom and dad and and it broke her heart. That's how her kids in, explained it to me. And so these little bits and pieces. The bits of information. Oh, it, it does make so a much, difference. Yeah, it makes so yeah. much di- I feel like it was a loving home. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like a loving family. And to know that she did try to adopt me meant everything. I wow. still get emotional about that. Yeah, because I'm looking at my parents that did adopt me. They were older. My father had a good job. They made the income standards, I'm assuming. Right. And, and stable. And there were no other children. It was just me. I grew up as an only child, except for I told you the cases of the foster children that she did have. And that was one of the reasons she stopped fostering. You know, one person, her name was, I remember her name was Teresa. I don't remember her last name. But Teresa and I, we were the same age, and she was with us for like three years. Wow. She then went back to her her birth mom, and then he had, she had another, I remember Stevie, he was with us for like two years. So you so bonded had, with them too. Right. And, my, and it was hard for me. Mm-hmm. You know, she could see it with me, and it was hard for her, because they weren't short-term foster children. Right. And... She didn't want that, too, for me, and she didn't want it. It was hard for her as well. So for a couple of years of my life, I had, like, little siblings, but they were never there long term. But me and Teresa really bonded because we were the same age. You also mm-hmm. became close to the foster mm-hmm. kids. Yeah, I would say anything mm-hmm. over a year, you you remember those relationships. You do. You do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I... um. I guess in closing, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to to share with a listener? When you start this journey, you have to take it at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Life happens along the way, but you um, take it at your own pace and you can stop and start at any time. But as I talk more and more to you, it gives me more inspiration because I think to know is, in the end is better than to not to know. And there's could be so many relationships out there that I can't have. And I just want to see someone who looks like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that mirroring, I think, is really going to impact you. Mm-hmm. And it's so strange. You hear people, I saw someone who looked just like you the other day. I thought I was... <laughs> <laughs> If I had a nickel for every time I heard that. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, was it someone who was related to me? Right. And I know, like my cousins, like you, I fit in. I so fit in with my ghost and family. And people would say, oh, I I knew that was your cousin. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's not why. Yeah, that's, we don't look alike because we're related. We just happen to. And look alike. And so I would be reminded, this is not my tribe. Every mm-hmm. time, you know, you don't, you just kind of smile. I would smile and say, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, I want to see somebody that really looks like me because we're related. Exactly. <laughs> I, <laughs> if I hear that too, oh, yeah, you guys really do look alike. I'm like, mm-hmm. And <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like, I don't know why, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny? Oh, this is really funny to me. When I... 
reunited with my paternal side, my mm-hmm. first cousins look like the cousins I grew up with, which really I said, but see, now I can oh, say wow. that's because we're related. We look alike. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. So, yeah, I agree. Stop, start, stop, start. It's your choice. One thing about being connected to the adoption community, and even if you're not in groups, you have me, so that in that Mm -hmm. way you're connected. And and by staying connected, it does. It's like, okay, well, maybe I'll do this today, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and and you just take take it at your own pace. Yes. So that's the biggest message. Take the reunion at your own pace. Very good. Uh, I'm so happy we had this conversation. This is great. I am so glad we've managed to stay in contact. I know I see you on Facebook and I know you have have your number, you have mine. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, I think it's really good. Yeah. And I will keep you posted of my journey. Yeah. And then I can have you back. And if you come back and share just where you are, I think that's helpful for a lot of people because my biggest why for doing the podcast is so that someone knows they're not alone because there are other people feeling just like you. I put this down. Maybe I'll pick it up. Well, maybe I'll just do this thing today. Like there are people that feel that same way. Mm-hmm. I'm not alone. So, and that's nice to know that you're not alone in this journey and you're not alone in the stopping and starting, mm-hmm. you know, this, I hope this can help someone else. Maybe they might pick up and do one little small thing today or, you know, and be inspired to do something else along the way of the journey. I mean, because it is a journey. <laughs> right. It is a lifelong journey and, and I'm still learning I did the DNA in 2017, and once you do that, you you never know who you're going to learn of today. And I learned (laughs) learned of some more cousins on my mother's side, which I'm excited to meet them because they are my birth mother's first cousins. So they knew her very well. They grew up together, and, and they still live, which gives me chills. They still live where my birth grandmother is from. So when I get a chance to visit in Louisiana, I'll get to see, yeah, I'll get to see like, you know how the great migration. Yeah. I get to see where my grandparents uh, started, you know, like where they, yeah. So I'm excited. It's like a little more, you know, pieces. And I think this is going to go on forever. You know, until I'm no longer here, I'll be learning more and more, more you know. So. And, you know, and I just thought about that, too, because my birth parents are from the South, but that's not where I'm from. So I like, that's nice to know your history and roots and where you're from in Louisiana. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited. When I talk to the one cousin who is my birth mother's first cousin, they look alike, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, they look, they definitely look like, they look like they could be sisters. So I see her and I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm able in a way to have a conversation with a part of my mother, if that makes sense. It's like. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're just yeah. around the same age. They. Yeah. Yeah. They, their mothers were sisters, all of that. It's like I have a, an opportunity to know my birth mother a little bit more because, you know, she more. she was deceased. She had been deceased 16 years when I found out who she was. So I can only get, like, get from those that knew her who she was. 
and piece it together. Yeah, right. yeah, which is nice. Believe it which or not, which it is, it, it is, it is. Yeah, it's really nice, and then it's not all good, you know, because the cousin always says your your birth mom was so spoiled. Oh, she was, you know, she tells me these stories, and yeah, it's funny, and she knows the siblings too. So my uncles, she can tell me what it was like growing up from her perspective, which is, unless I have it, I only have other people's perspectives. Like my brother's perspective is going to be different, you know? So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it's really mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Enjoy this journey. And we both shall continue down this road. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. Thank you for asking me. I really enjoyed it. I simply love when a guest asks me what was something like for me. Jackie asking me about my experience during the time I entered motherhood made me feel seen, even though this episode was about her. I really felt like you, the listener, got to experience a personal conversation between two adoptees being shared with the public. I absolutely respect Jackie's desire to put her search on hold a few years ago because it's unapologetically an adoptee's choice to do so. In that 45 minutes or so that we chatted about search and reunion, it was unexpected that she would be inspired to contact the Chicago Child Care Society for more information from her file back in 1964. It's true that none of us have any idea as adoptees what we may learn about how we came into the world, opening Pandora's box, if you will, as Jackie stated, or what our birth parents were experiencing prior to our births. But it's likely to be riddled with ups and downs, peaks and valleys. That's just how life is for everyone. Thank you, Jackie, for having a conversation with me, and I have no doubt that you will proceed as best for you, gathering piece by piece in your own time, your original identity as Michelle, born to Becky. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash adopteeland. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community.